we open the scriptures to Psalm 121. This psalm in its entirety is going to be our text. We're going to look at the psalm as a whole. However, in order to get some context as to its placement in the book of Psalms, we're going to read the psalm before it and after it. So we will start with Psalm 120 and read through Psalm 122. And then focus on Psalm 121. So let us begin in the word of God at Psalm 120, verse 1. In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesech that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, he shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sakes, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. So far we read in the Holy Scriptures. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, tonight we are going to consider Psalm 121 as a whole, because this beautiful psalm has one comforting message. As we approach this psalm, there are a couple of points to be made by way of introduction. The first is that in order to appreciate, fully appreciate Psalm 121, we need to understand something about the kind of psalm that it is and how it was used by Old Testament Israel. Perhaps you noticed as we read that all three of the psalms that we read are entitled a song of degrees. Psalm 120 begins a section of the Psalter, 120 through 134, called the songs of degrees or the songs of ascents or literally the psalms of steps. 
And these psalms are called this because these were psalms that the Israelites would meditate upon, rehearse, and even sing as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the three major Old Testament feasts. Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and Pentecost. You recall that Old Testament law mandated the Israelites to travel to Jerusalem for the celebration of these feasts. And so the songs of degrees or ascents were psalms that were thought upon, even sung, as these pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem, and as they got closer to Jerusalem, ascend up into the mountains in which the holy city was situated. Perhaps you remember in Luke 2 at the end, when Jesus was 12 years old, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem along with several others from Nazareth for the celebration of Passover. And it is very possible that Jesus and the other Nazarenes would have sung the words of our text, Psalm 121, as they walked along their pilgrim journey. Now, we read these three psalms because there is a certain progression from Psalm 120, 121 to 122 that I want to point out. These opening songs of degrees somewhat correspond with the progress that the Israelite pilgrim would make to Jerusalem, to the house of God. Psalm 120 has a feeling of foreboding about it. The pilgrim is far away from God's house. Verse 5, for example, He says, I sojourn in Mesek and dwell in the tents of Kedar, two regions far and remote from Jerusalem. There is distance here. But then, in Psalm 121, we get the sense that the pilgrim is getting closer. He lifts his eyes up to the hills, the hill country, the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. He is getting closer and yet there is still a sense of foreboding for there is dangers in this hill country through which he must pass. And then finally, Psalm 122, there is the joy of having arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, having worshipped in the temple. And you see in these three psalms, the progress of the pilgrim to the house of God. We're going to focus on Psalm 121, which was a psalm rehearsed and sung while still on the pilgrim road. A song that brought comfort and reassurance to the pilgrim facing dangers on the way to the house of the Lord. Now before we get into the psalm, a second point of introduction. I want to highlight a couple of structural features and poetic devices that aid our understanding and increase our appreciation for this psalm. Psalm 121 is composed of eight verses. And those eight verses are four different stanzas of two verses apiece, all of which are internally linked by a significant word. For example, in verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. And then verse 2 picks up on that word help, like a chain link. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And you'll find that pattern throughout the psalm. This is a beautiful psalm that links concept after concept together to press upon our hearts the singular and comforting message which we find especially in verse 5. Behold the Lord, he that keepeth Israel. That's verse 4 and then verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. 
And that's the very heart of the psalm. Literally. One Old Testament scholar who has studied this psalm in depth counted up all of the syllables of the Hebrew words before this phrase and the Hebrew words after this phrase. And there are 58 before and 58 after the phrase, the Lord is thy keeper. It is literally the heart of the psalm because it is the message of the whole psalm. God keeps his people. And that's the wonderful thought that we are going to reflect on tonight. And the psalm presses it upon our hearts because this word is repeated six times in the psalm. The last couple verses you read the word preserve, but in the Hebrew that's the very same word as keep. The Lord keeps. The Lord is thy keeper. Let's consider what that means. For us personally tonight. We take that phrase which is the heart of the psalm. And that's our theme. The Lord is thy keeper. In the first place we're going to notice the anxious question. With which the psalm begins. And then we will look at the body of the psalm. Which is God's reassuring answer to that question. And then finally we will look at the spirit wrought effect. Of God's reassuring answer. Namely an abiding peace. The first verse of Psalm 121 sets the scene, the background, that helps us interpret this psalm and apply it to our own lives. Verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. These words of verse 1 are the words of that Israelite pilgrim on the road journeying to Jerusalem to worship in the house of the Lord. And you can see that as you read through the psalm, that this is a traveler's song. There are so many references to the road, to travel. The psalmist speaks about his foot slipping. He speaks of shade. He speaks of being under the sun, under the moon, of going out, of coming in. This is a pilgrim's psalm. The pilgrim has journeyed far already and he is nearing Jerusalem. He has come into the rocky hill country of Judea and literally his eyes are lifted up unto the hills because as he goes to Jerusalem and gets closer, he is ascending up into the mountains and he is looking up into those mountains in which the holy city is situated. He lifts up his eyes to the hills. And as he lifts up his eyes to those hills, he says, From whence? Cometh my help. Now, for some reason, our King James translation is a bit misleading here. You look at verse 1 and you notice the second half is simply a statement with a period at the end. From whence cometh my help. But in the Hebrew, this is not a statement, but a question. In fact, the versification in our Psalter gets it right. Oh, whence shall come my aid? Question mark. So we could better translate it this way. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Where is my help coming from? From whence will my help come to me? It's a question that the pilgrim asks as he lifts his eyes. Where will my help come from? And here we see that there is still some of that feeling of foreboding that we picked up in Psalm 120. There are some fears in the heart of this pilgrim 
An emotion of uncertainty and anxiety clings to that question. Whence cometh my help is an anxious question. Now, no doubt, as the pilgrim looks up into the mountains, there is a sense of safety that mountains give. For example, the opening verses of Psalm 125, another one of the Psalms of Degrees. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. Those mountains gave Jerusalem safety. And in the Bible, mountains are sometimes used that way to convey an emotion of safety and security. But mountains were also dangerous places. The pilgrim is not yet there In Jerusalem, walled by the mighty mountains. But he is traveling to get there. He has to get through the rocky hill country. He has to navigate those winding mountain paths. What will he meet on those winding mountain paths? What slippery rocks? What sheer cliff edges? What wild animals? What bandits? Perhaps you think of Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan and he spoke about the road from Jericho up to Jerusalem as a dangerous road, as if everybody knew that, that it was an ideal place for bands of robbers to hide and ambush travelers. There is a sense of foreboding here. Anxiousness. I lift up mine eyes into the hills. Where shall my help come from? The pilgrim feels he needs help. He needs protection if he is going to get to the final destination of his Pilgrimage. An anxious question. Help, protection is needed to traverse the treacherous terrain from here to the house of the Lord. That's the historical backdrop. That's the context in which this psalm was sung. And thought upon. And you see how powerful a psalm this would have been. For the Israelite pilgrims of old. But beloved. God put this psalm. This pilgrim song in the Bible. Because it is his word to the church of all ages. It is his word for us. Indeed it is our psalm. Though we are removed from the historical background of this psalm, nonetheless, we can identify with the Israelite pilgrim, can we not? Because we are also on a pilgrimage to the house of the Lord. We are on the pilgrimage. That Old Testament pilgrimage was but a figure picturing our pilgrimage, the pilgrimage of the Christian life. That's why 1 Peter 2 verse 11 calls Christians in the world pilgrims and strangers. Think of Abraham, the father of believers. As he's described in Hebrews 11, verse 9 and following. By faith, Abraham sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. And verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Verse 16. Now they desire a better country and heavenly What was true of Abraham is true of us. The whole Christian life is a life of pilgrimage in which we are passing through this world which is full of darkness, full of danger, this world which is full of treacherous terrain that we must traverse to get to our destination which is the city which hath foundations. 
Zion had its foundations in the mountains, but the city which hath real foundations is the city of God. The true Jerusalem. The house of God. Heaven. And ultimately the new heavens and the new earth. That's where we are going. And our entire life in this world is a pilgrimage from here to there through many dangers. And so this anxious question is ours, isn't it? We lift our eyes to the hills of this world. We lift our eyes to the horizon. And we wonder what's out there. What's coming to me? What's going to happen tomorrow, this week? We wonder about other things too. We have other fears. What waits around the bend of life's pathway? What might I meet with that can do me harm? Maybe you're burdened by affliction, care, and it's pressing you down, dragging you down, and you fear you can't carry on through this difficult terrain of the Christian life. Maybe death frightens you, sickness frightens you. Maybe there's a sin snare that's gotten you in the past and you're terrified of falling into it again because it had such a grip on you before. Perhaps there is a sin that blew up in your family and has caused all kinds of harm. Whatever it may be, as Christian pilgrims on this pilgrimage, we have fears. Getting from here to there, we see we can't do it ourselves. We don't have the strength of ourselves. We can't face the dangers of ourselves. And so we lift our eyes to the hills and we ask this anxious question, from whence cometh my help? For without help, I won't make it. I won't see this journey through. And the psalm starts that way. It draws this anxious anxious question out of the pilgrim so that God himself may answer it and reassure his people of his care and his protection on the entirety of their pilgrimage. And thus, As the pilgrim ponders where his help comes from. And as he looks into those mountains. And as he thinks about the threat. That may wait him on the road to Jerusalem. His his mind's eye goes to Jerusalem. And the house of God. My help cometh from the Lord. Which made heaven and earth. Verse 2. There's the starting point of the reassuring answer. And the rest of the psalm is going to be that answer. Let's look at the starting point, verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord. Psalm 121 is such a theocentric psalm. That is, it's all about God. Because that's our only hope, and that's our only help, and that's all that can help us in the face of the dangers that we meet with on the pilgrim's path. You read Psalm 121, it's all about God. Who God is, what God does, and what that means for you. The psalm takes the pilgrim's eyes off the threatening road through the hill country and rivets the pilgrim's eyes upon Jehovah, the God of Israel. Jehovah, 
the Lord. And you'll notice, Lord in all capitals, four times in this song. It's repeated almost as many times as the theme word, keep. And you put that together, there's the message. Jehovah, the faithful God of the covenant, the only true and living God, He keeps, He saves, He protects. He is your keeper. The Lord alone, there's no other source of help. Don't look anywhere else. But God, Jehovah, the eternal I am that I am who is unchanging. And yet that name reveals more than the eternality of God's being. That name reveals his attitude towards his people. He revealed that name out of the burning bush to Moses as his name of covenant faithfulness. This name speaks to you. This name speaks to every Christian pilgrim and it says, God is faithful to you. And because God is faithful to you, He will be your help. Your only help. Your all-sufficient help. All-sufficient indeed, for as verse 2 says, My help cometh from the Lord, who hath made heaven and earth. Often the Bible links God helping us with the reality that God is Creator. For example... In another one of the Psalms of Degrees, Psalm 124, the very end of the Psalm, verse 8, we read the words with which every single one of our worship services begins. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Help and God's creation are linked together and the reason is obvious, is it not? The God who created all things is an almighty God who is almighty to save, almighty to protect, almighty to provide us help in time of need. If God created the worlds, what in the world can stop Him from helping you? What in the world is beyond His power to save you from? Nothing. Our help cometh from the Lord Jehovah who made heaven and earth. Thus Old Testament pilgrim and Christian pilgrim too, lift your eyes past the hills to the God who made them. Thence cometh your help. But now moving on from verse 2 into the meat of The reassuring answer. The psalm goes on to define what this help is. And if you want to summarize what God's help for us pilgrims is, go to the heart of the psalm. That's the help that the psalm promises. The Lord is thy keeper. Divine safekeeping is the help that God provides His people as they pilgrimage towards the eternal city of heavenly glory. The Lord is thy keeper. That's the substance of the reassuring answer that calms the pilgrim's fears, comforts the soul, and strengthens hand and foot to go on. Keeper. And that Hebrew word is beautiful for its richness. It means much. Keeper means watchman. Think of a watchman on the walls who's on the lookout for danger. It means guard. It means caretaker. It means protector. It means preserver. And for that reason, 
The translation later in the psalm of the word keep as preserve is fully accurate. When God keeps, He preserves. He keeps safe and secure. He saves and keeps saved and never lets you get unsaved. He keeps. He keeps. Constantly keeping His people. To the Israelite pilgrim, that would have resonated so deeply with his or her soul. It would have drawn memory from that Israelite pilgrim of Old Testament history, how God was the keeper of His Israel. Verse 4 says that, Behold, He that keepeth Israel. Remember how God has kept Israel in the past, how He kept Abraham in His sojourn, Isaac, Jacob, how He kept Joseph in His time in Egypt, how He kept Moses from the time He floated on the Nile in that little basket to the time that He led Israel out of Egypt, how God kept His Israel through the wilderness and brought them into Canaan. And we go beyond into the New Testament age. And all of covenant history testifies to what the psalm sets before us, the Lord is thy keeper, pilgrim people. Behold, behold, the text says, look at this, pay attention to this, ponder this, think about this, hide this in your heart. The Lord is thy keeper. And that opens the door to verses 3 through 8. And verses 3 through 8 simply explain what it means that God is our keeper. You see, there's a stair-like progression in the psalm. There's an ever-widening circle here. The pilgrim lifts up his eyes to the hills. An anxious question arises in his heart, erupts from his mouth. From whence cometh my help? Then comes God's reassuring answer, which The the pilgrim himself vocalizes, My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then help is further defined as this God keeping me. And now the circle expands even farther. And the rest of the psalm is going to explain all that belongs to the safekeeping of God. What He does for you as your keeper. So, For the second half of the the second point, we're just going to walk through the rest of the psalm and let that circle of God's safekeeping expand. And watch as that circle grows from the immediate preoccupation of the Israelite pilgrim on the road and how it grows to encompass all of his existence. And there's the comfort and the reassurance for us. God is a perfect keeper whose safekeeping embraces absolutely everything. He is the perfect keeper. And therefore, pilgrim, you are perfectly safe with Him. Verse 3. Your keeper will not suffer thy foot to be moved. 
Surely that was reassuring to the Old Testament pilgrim as he started climbing the slippery rocks on the winding mountain pathway up towards Jerusalem. That God would be with him. That God would not let his foot slip. That God would give him a sure footing so that he reached the destination of his journey. Safety in the way. Safety to journey's end. And how reassuring a word that is to us Christian pilgrims on our spiritual journey through this world to the city that hath foundations. Your keeper will not let your foot be moved. That is, literally, he will not let you totter. He will not let your foot slip. He places your feet in the sure spiritual footing upon the firm rock of Jesus Christ. How we need that sure footing because in this world so much conspires to make our feet slip and to make us fall. Satan throws snares upon our path. Stumbling blocks. There are many slippery places where so easily we trip. There are sheer cliffs, spiritually speaking, down which we can fall. Besides that, so often we groan under the weight of affliction. We feel that if we lose our footing at any moment, we might fall and be crushed under our burdens or be unable to get back up. God's Word in this psalm to you, pilgrim, each day. I shall not suffer your feet to be moved. I holdeth your soul in life, but suffereth not your feet to be moved. I will keep you from the stumbling block of temptation. I keep your feet from swerving from the straight and narrow way of your pilgrimage. I am the good shepherd who leads you through the mountains so you do not go lost. I keep you from falling off the sheer cliff edge of sin to your own ruin. Yes, there are those times when we do slip because of our sin. Or we do stumble because of our human frailty. And even fall. That's never due to a lack in our God's keeping. Even when we stumble and fall, the Lord is our keeper. And sometimes it is in our stumbles and in our falls that the Lord shows Himself most marvelously to be our keeper. When He restores us from a path of sin and gives us that joy of forgiveness and we are renewed in our zeal to walk in His ways, that's the Lord being our keeper. When He gives us strength to bear the heaviest burdens and we go through the fire of affliction and though we stumble and fall, He brings us through safe. The Lord is our keeper and we come out on the other side confessing it and singing it from the heart. Sometimes God lets us stumble and fall because we need to learn a lesson. And like a good father, He knows that stumble and the bruises we get from it are what we need. But when he lets us stumble and fall, he's always there to catch us, pick us up again. He keeps. He won't let your foot slip such that you fall to ruin. You're safe in the keeper's hands. Then the rest of verse 3 and going on into verse 4. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. And here's another beautiful dimension of God as our keeper. He's our watchman. Our watchman. Like a watchman on the wall of a city whose sharp eyes are watching for any encroaching danger, especially in the dark hours of night. 
The watchman protects the city and the people sleeping in the city. A good watchman doesn't sleep, but is ever watchful and vigilant. Many things can get past a human watchman because human watchmen have limited perception. Human watchmen get drowsy and fall asleep. But God is the perfect watchman as the text says. He never slumbers or sleeps. He is ever wakeful, ever watchful. And He watches like no other because He is the all-seeing God. Proverbs 15 verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He is the all-knowing God. Nothing escapes His attention. Nothing slips past Him. And that means, if He's your keeper, if He's the watchman who never slumbers or sleeps, who is ever watching over you, nothing gets by Him. No evil can slip around His gaze and get to you. He's the perfect protector. And so Christian pilgrim, let your soul rest in the assurance that the Lord is your keeper who never slumbers or sleeps. In the dead of night, when you are slumbering and sleeping, He is watching and keeping. Wherever you are in your pilgrimage, He keeps His protective watch. And nothing can distract his eye from you, the apple of his eye. When you're in the dark, when you can't see, God is still watchful. And God sees. Sees through the darkness of the night seasons when you can't see even a foot in front of you, so to speak. Psalm 139 verse 12 says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. And so we can rest. We can rest at all times. We can go to sleep tonight in peace. We can go into the week ahead with that peace. Because God watches over us. And He's not just surveying us and observing what happens to us. He is the sovereign watchman who controls all. Nothing can get past Him. He averts all evil. And if any evil ever touches you, it's because God, your watchman, is busy turning it to your profit. He never slumbers or sleeps. Therefore, you can... Rest in your keeper. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. A shade. The Lord is your shade. Picture to have in mind here is a great tree with large branches and many leaves that spreads out and gives a shadow that provides shade to all manner of creatures. God is like that to us. He's our shade. And how that was an image that meant a lot to the Old Testament pilgrim traveling under the intense rays of a Middle Eastern sun, this image resonated with him. God is a shade who provides protection from the heat and provides refreshment in his shadow. 
underneath his wings. The Lord keeps his people by sheltering them beneath himself. That's a, that's a beautiful idea. The Almighty God is himself our shade. He spreads himself over his people. And that goes back to the, the figure of God's wings. We sang about it in the versification of Psalm 91. And now we can read it in Psalm 91 verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Later in the psalm, speaking about the feathers of God's wings covering us. God, the Almighty, the Creator, our Keeper, shelters us beneath Himself. We are surrounded on all sides by God and all of His attributes. There is a defense far greater than any stone wall. There is a fortress far greater than a city set in the mountains. The attributes of the eternal God surrounding us, sheltering us, shading us. A shade. And the psalmist goes on, a shade upon thy right hand. And here the psalmist beautifully mixes figures. A shade upon your right hand. And the idea here now is of a shield. The second part of the figure is a military image. Back in the psalmist's day, when soldiers would fight in a line, in a rank, the sword or spear would be held in one hand, and the shield in the other. The shield would be held in the left hand, and that means your right side would be more exposed to attack. And thus the figure of the psalm is, God is the shade at our right hand. God knows our vulnerable spots. He knows where we are weakest. He knows our frame. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He makes sure to protect you where you are weakest and when you are most vulnerable. He is your shade at your right hand. A shield over your vulnerable spot. That leads then to verse 6. The idea of a shade, a shelter, a shield protects. And that shade means the sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. For the Israelite pilgrim, that was good news. That hot Palestinian sun was hot. In the cold of night, spent under the moon, the Lord protects from all. Even the hurtful influences of the natural world. But there's more to it than that. That God protects us from the smiting sun or the moon by night means that the Lord, the keeper, protects you from everything that happens under the sun. And everything that happens under the moon. He guards you from every deed that is wrought in the daylight and every deed that is done in the dark of night. In other words... Here we see the expanding circle. His safekeeping covers all of time. Day and night. No matter what hour it is. Nothing under the sun or under the moon. Nothing in this world shall smite thee. On his watch. All around protection. Psalm 91 again. Captures this idea in verses 5 and 6. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Why? The Lord is thy keeper. 
nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Why? The Lord is thy shield at thy right hand. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. The Lord is thy keeper at all times, under sun, under moon, in light, in dark. So, the Lord shall preserve thee, verse 7 says, from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. Now the circle expands. And all of our existence fits inside of this circle of God's safekeeping. Nothing is on the outside. He shall keep thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul from every evil, every form of evil, everything that would hurt. Now we know, that doesn't mean evil will never touch you. The psalmist knew that as much as anyone. Think of the psalmist David who wrote most of the psalms. How much he was touched by evil. And yet, he can say things like this. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. Because David knew and David experienced. That though evil touched him. And though evil touched him painfully. God kept him. And God kept that evil from destroying him. And that evil never truly harmed him. He was ever in the keeping hands of God. And whatever evil was not averted from him. Was turned to his prophet. Some of it he didn't even see how. But he knew it was. He knew it was. He was safe in the safekeeping of God. And that's the promise of the text for you, Christian pilgrim. Day by day, step by step, on your pilgrimage, the Lord shall, it's a promise from the God who cannot lie and the God who always makes good on His word, He shall keep you from all evil. He is your keeper. He keeps you from the evil one himself, the most powerful force of evil. And your keeper is wise enough to protect you from the lying serpent, just as he is strong enough to defend you against the roaring lion. He knows the dangers of the pathway. The good shepherd will get you through those dangers. When you stumble and fall, When as a sheep you get caught in the jaws of the lion, He will rescue you. When as a sheep you get caught in the brambles and the thorns, He will rescue you. He will tend to your wounds. He will keep you. No evil will ever destroy you. Though it may touch you, it will never destroy you. And no touch of evil will ever cause a wound that is beyond the power of the great physician to heal. You can only scratch, really. That's all. Thus the text says, the Lord shall keep your soul. Here's the preservation of the saints, beloved. In the Old Testament, as clear as can be. God's saints shall not perish. The Lord shall keep your soul. Those whom He has saved, whom He has eternally ordained to eternal life, In Jesus Christ, whom He has redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, He will preserve them unto the end. 
It is impossible that one bought with the blood of Jesus Christ not make it to the city that hath foundations. Because the Lord is your keeper. For you not to get there, it would mean he fails. And we know he never fails. He shall keep, preserve your soul. That word soul means more than just the spiritual part of you. The the word soul here is the same word that we find in Genesis 1 and 2. Really in Genesis 2 where we read of Adam being made a living soul. It refers not only to our spiritual life, but all of our life. All that we are. And that brings out another important dimension. God doesn't keep just part of you and leave another part of you to get wrecked. He preserves and keeps all of you because He bought all that you are with the blood of Jesus Christ. Body and soul, heart, mind, emotions, everything. All that you are belongs to Him and He is the keeper of all that you are. Your whole being. And so when the text says the Lord shall keep your soul, it's saying the Lord will keep you, all that you are, every part of you. Not a single part of you will he give over to evil, to death, to ruin. All that you are belongs to him. and He is your keeper. Thus, the psalm, as it comes to the end of its expounding of the meaning of that idea, keep, we come to verse 8, the climax of the psalm, the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. You see, the circle is complete. The Lord keeps you at all times. The Lord keeps you from all evil. The Lord keeps your soul, your life, and your whole being. And now verse 8 says, The Lord keeps you in all places and in all activities in which you are engaged. It's a universal, all-encompassing safekeeping. The Lord keeps you in your going out and your coming in. When you go out in the morning to labor, And when you come in to retire in the evening, the Lord is your keeper. When you go out in the youth, in youth, in the springtime of life, the Lord is your keeper. When you come in, and when you're stuck in, you might say, because in old age you can't go out like you used to, the Lord is your keeper. When you're at the desk, when you're at the construction site, when you're studying at school, when you're in the car, when you're flying in an airplane, when you're at the store, when you're at home, when you're at the hospital, the Lord is your keeper. When you go to a loved one's hospital bed, or you're sitting in the waiting room anxious because an operation is happening, the Lord is your keeper. When you're at the graveside, the Lord is your keeper. Every single going out. Every single coming in. He keeps you. He keeps you. When the day comes. And you're lying on the deathbed. Facing death. The Lord is your keeper. And that will be your last going out. And at last will be the coming in. To the destination 
of this pilgrimage, heavenly glory, and your keeper who got you through the hills and the mountains and everything there in that treacherous terrain, that keeper will open the door and bring you in to the city which hath foundations. The Lord is your keeper who keeps your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. The keeping spans all of time and goes into eternity. All of this is true because of Jesus. It's an Old Testament psalm. But Jesus' name is everywhere in the psalm because everywhere the name Lord appears, Jehovah, we have Jesus because Jesus is Jehovah's salvation. And Jehovah's safekeeping is based upon the saving work of Jesus Christ. The heart of the psalm is the Lord is thy keeper. But we should see that the reason the psalm can say this is because Jesus saved you from your sins, suffered and died for you. He is the heart of the heart of the psalm. Lift your eyes to Calvary's hill. That's why help comes to you. Lift your eyes to Calvary's hill and behold Jesus Christ who came for you and suffered and died upon that hill and suffered all of evil to assault Him and suffered the full fury of hell and suffered the fullness of God's holy wrath against sin so as to avert it from you. Fix your eyes upon the rock of ages cleft for you. There you see why and how the Lord is your keeper and there you see the certainty of it. God will keep you because Jesus bought you with His precious blood and you belong to Jesus. Belonging to Jesus belong in the Father's keeping hands. So, lift up your eyes to the hill of Calvary. See the Christ there by faith. In Him your foot shall not be moved. His love and care never slumbers for you. He is the shade for you from the heat of God's holy wrath. He is the shield whose blood covers you. Jesus is why the sun cannot smite you, nor the moon by night. Jesus has delivered you from all evil. Jesus has saved your soul. Jesus has redeemed your life from destruction. And Jesus, your Redeemer and your Keeper, is the reason why you're going out and you're coming in from now and forevermore safe, secure, And ends in heaven. And so the takeaway from this pilgrim song. For us Christian pilgrims. The takeaway. The truth that is pressed upon our hearts. Is abiding peace. It was that for the Old Testament pilgrim as he journeyed to Jerusalem. This was a song that was peace giving. This was the spirit wrought effect upon the pilgrim. As the pilgrim journeyed to Jerusalem and rehearsed and sang this song. The spirit used this song to work peace in that pilgrim's heart. How could the effect be anything else given the truth that this word of God brings forth? It was a calming psalm that calmed the 
pilgrim's fears, strengthened the heart, imparted peace. Because the psalm is one big promise. It's one big promise that answers perfectly the anxious question, Whence cometh my help? How am I going to get there? My help cometh from the Lord, who is my keeper. He will get me there. So beloved, wherever you are, whatever you are going through, whatever fear makes your heart race, whatever pains disquiet your mind, this is the word of God for you. The Lord is thy keeper. This is your psalm. This is the song of your pilgrimage given to you for your journey now. To give you peace. Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4 says this of God. And it fits so well with this psalm. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Stay your mind. On the Lord who is thy keeper. Go into the pilgrimage that awaits you tomorrow. The next steps toward the city which hath foundations. And as a pilgrim. Rehearse this song. Meditate upon what it says. Sing it even with your family. Or sing it in your heart. And this psalm will stay your mind on him. And the effect is perfect, full, satisfying, abiding peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that comes only in knowing that the Lord is my keeper. And so you shall go out and you shall come in in peace forevermore. Amen. Father, cause this song of pilgrimage to live in our hearts. Cause us to hear it as thy own word of promise to us. So that in the days of our pilgrimage ahead, we might stay our minds upon the blessed, comforting reality that Thou art our keeper. Grant us abiding peace till we reach our destination, Thy house of many mansions. Bring us there, Father. Strengthen us for the road. Amen.